0: welcome to inspired artist podcast with me porter singer i'm speaking with paloma davy today paloma and i have known each other for many many years in fact maybe paloma i will ask you when you get on just how many years we can re- recollect knowing each other we started a small little Sodna band um which was uh really cute with our friend Allison at some point. So we were um, like the designated sadhana band for this yoga studios in uh, LA for a little while there. And that's actually what got me to winter solstice, um, my first winter solstice, uh, Kundalini yoga event, which was um, pretty interesting because that was when I basically got engaged I wasn't really planning on talking about that um or you know that began that process but anyway paloma and i have (laughs) have known each other for a while she's toured with the guru ganesha band i saw her when she came to phoenix they opened for deva Pramal and me 10 which is pretty exciting uh paloma Davy has been described i'll read a little bit from her bio as the golden voice of the new age she is a soul singer ethnic dancer and seasoned yogini As an internationally recognized teacher and singer, her voice carries the sadhana spiritual discipline of her 24 years of yoga practice and has been heard by millions around the world. So she began dancing at age five, began dancing ballet and studying the piano. Um, I've been really enjoying your, Instagram videos of your piano playing, actually. Maybe we can talk about that. Her voice practice began just after a long battle with a childhood illness and a life-saving surgery. She has earned a degree in world religions, Asian studies, and dance, and she has fulfilled her master's degree in theta healing, is a certified Reiki master teacher, and has completed three different yoga teacher training programs. Wow, that's really cool. I didn't know about that. From these outer and inner studies, she has birthed vocal moksha method, a, thin- a synthesis of sound healing and vocal liberating techniques to expand the voice and heal through song. Paloma helps the students remove any block to their deepest expression, so one can feel free to bathe in one's greater, greatest healer, the human voice. Ooh, well, I definitely resonate with that. All right, well, so let's get into this and chat with Paloma, here we go. Hi. So are you still doing the, the vocal the vocal practice with people? Yes, yeah, actually,
1: oh. I just got some new students enrolled and I, I had taken a break for a while, um, focusing on different aspects of business and motherhood and all that, artistic rebirth as well. So yeah, I, I'm very much taking new students and enjoying the new incarnation of myself and the work.
0: Wow. Yeah. Did you, did you create this? Like your, was this birthed by you or was it yes. sort of, a yeah. Okay. Cause yes. you also, I didn't realize how many like certifications and degrees you had. So it seems like no, but it's your own, it's your own thing. That's really cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. It, it's a synthesis of all the stuff that I've been studying and, and usually utilizing to basically heal myself because I've had so many um, in the past, so many challenges with yeah. my, with my body, um, and with my voice even mostly self-inflicted way back, but yeah. because I, I got my voice to this, like almost, um, zero level, you know, between smoking and a very severe, um, battle with eating disorder, anorexia and bulimia. Um, and yeah, I mean, couple that with smoking and all that year, it's, it's a pretty bad situation. And, yeah. um, when I realized that I was here to speak and I was here to sing, um, I, that realization came hand in hand with almost the devastation of losing the voice mm. and me, um, having abused it. So um, I needed to heal my voice. So I got a real life experience of, you know, like I was my own first client basically. And I was getting all these healing tools at the time. I was just, it was awful coming to me in this beautiful way. And what happened was healing and, and I've been able to appreciate and really notice what worked and what didn't work. And so I have all these tools that I can share with people. And sometimes I work with people that aren't singers, people that just like were smokers Mm -hmm. or damaged themselves or want to sing or want to act or whatever. And it's really, it's a beautiful process or just people want to speak their truth. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes, it, it, you know, that clamp feeling of, you know, some people live perpetually this way. Mm-hmm. And there's trauma there or there's there's limitation. And so it, we, you address it on all these energetic and physical levels and um,
0: magic happens. So, yeah. um, and I still do it with myself. Wow. Yeah. it's It's amazing to me how... Few people realize how important the voice is, given we all use our voice. But we sort of think when we say voice, we think like singers, (laughs) you know, but we all use it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) We need to speak and we need to speak our truth and and we need to say the truth. You know, a lot of the times also like maybe the, the actual vessel of the voice sounds okay, but what we say and what we mean are not connected. Mm. you know, and that's, that's part of it too. That's, that's vocal health.
0: Mm.
1: That's express, expressive communication. So the point of it is to get closer to that sat. (laughs) And like be able to say what you mean and mean what you say and to align with your truth, because what we say is what we create. Mm -hmm. So what we say inside and what we, and what we vocalize to both, are important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, it's just something that happens to be on my mind currently, but just how, how so much of communication, like conflict communication, I guess, is sort of a spoken trauma. Like you're speaking in order to hurt the person you're speaking to because you perceive that they're hurting you. And there's this like, Need to wound other people to feel better about your own wounds. This got really deep, (laughs) but that was the first thing that came to mind when you were saying that. And that can is so that's so hard on the voice. Yes,
1: and if you're a sensitive person, you you probably immediately feel that.
0: Yeah,
1: you know it. You feel sick all of a sudden. You didn't mean to say what you said, and and it's like, why do we say what we don't mean? What was the purpose? Do we think about what's the purpose of what we're saying? What's
0: the intention? Right. So, like, yeah. I really appreciate what you said there. It's true. So, you said you took a little break from this because um, you've had you've had some babies. Congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I haven't actually spoken to you since um, having. How long have we known each other? Do you remember what what that date? Yes. Uh, probably. Twelve or thirteen years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. At least twelve. Yeah, that was oh, that was a while ago, and at that time, none of us had children. <laughs> We're all LA girls. Yeah. Yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> it was a really fun time.
1: You know, I tell I was telling the story because I was just in LA, and I was like, you know, we had a little Jetta, the three of us, you know, <laughs> Yoga band, and. Do magical things at 3 a.m. and we were all so committed to being there. We'd wake up, I had to wake up sometimes at two in the morning or 2 30. Because <laughs> when I lived up the mountain in Malibu, just to get to sadhana at three or 3 30. And there's something special I've noticed like a lot of the most amazing people I've met, I was able to meet at like 4 a.m.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you're crazy too. Great, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a perfect filter. Like, you're willing to, to try something new and expand your mind, and you know. Um, do some work on yourself with it's your intention right? It doesn't even matter what technique you're doing. it's just like the that you're committed to do, doing something for you. yeah, I, I appreciate that about people in general, and I still do yeah
0: yeah what was what was really funny actually is I think there were like a couple of teachers that we were just like a little bit too lively for <laughs> <And they> were,
1: <laughs> maybe. <laughs> That's my problem for her.
0: <laughs> which, which is funny to me, because I'm like, I think we all said this, we were like, don't people want, don't you want to be awake? Like, don't you want to? <laughs> it's 5 a.m. The, by the time we're singing, it's 5
1: a.m. The sun's coming up. Let's go. Let's do this.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. And and you played drums, which was which was pretty cool, because I didn't realize you played percussion until then. So, yeah. Well,
1: I don't know if you remember this. But the first thing I played, because I did play percussion, but the first thing I played was the bucket.
0: Yes, no, I do remember. <laughs> I was like, I need a drum. And <laughs> is that my bucket? Who's your bucket? was my bucket? How did, why did I have a bucket? That's funny. I don't know. But <laughs> I was like living in like a closet space studio. I
1: remember <laughs> bucket. That? That's I played the bucket, and then I got a real drum. I graduated. I was yeah. like, for my birthday, I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy a real drum. Let's do, let's do this. That's
0: so funny. And it wasn't
1: the same. I like the drum. I like the bucket.
0: Yeah, yeah, perfect. yeah. Well, and so we've been talking about Trisha, but I feel like you're, you're there. You had more of a peak moment in the music, in the yes. music world hey,
1: afterwards. <laughs> All special for me. Also, my yeah.
0: Yeah, but I think if if people know you, they probably know you more from your touring with Gudaganesha, do you think? Or I would think or, I mean not I'm not comparing Trisha and Guru Ganesha. <laughs> I mean like is there something else that I'm not aware of? Um, uh,
1: in Miami, in yeah. Miami, the Miami community also knows me from a band called Soul Temple. That's right. That's right. You and did. And actually we're doing a Soul Temple reunion in at some point in the winter time. Oh yeah. So I'll be down there. And one of the main artists that was part of that, just amazing singers, amazing energy. Also Kundalini, they probably, you probably met all of them at solstice or most I, of them. I think I met two of them. Yes. Um, so we're, we're going to be playing again and uh, oh. just giving love to the Miami community after I've been away. Cause I've, I live now in Asheville for the last almost seven years and um, going to be heading back and starting
0: to grow some roots back in my hometown. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. really cool. I miss do you, yeah, I was gonna ask you do you do you miss that in terms of music scene, social scene?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, I miss my Latin my Latin cultural tribe down there. Although I was just telling someone yesterday, you know, over the past years, there have been a lot of Miamians that have decided to make Asheville a base. Yeah. So. Lucky for me though, because I don't think that I would have been able to, I love it here. Appalachia is spectacular, but I would, I would be really missing something if I didn't have the soul tribe from Miami up here mm. and yeah. been slowly
0: because <laughs> it's, it's a great place to be. What is the, the, I've never been to Asheville. What, what is that like? Paradise
1: actually. It's um especially probably seven, seven to eight months out of the year. It is an, a natural marvel of beauty. It's a it's a temporal rainforest. And I really, you don't even want to get me started because I'm obsessed. <laughs> this part of the world. Um it's it's lush. It's biodi. it's one of the most biodiverse regions on the planet, definitely in North America. Huh. It uh-huh. is the most biodiverse in North America for sure. And um, you know, it's it's heavenly waterfall life. You can go to a different waterfall every day. You can see different uh, views of mountains, rocks, like huh. boulders. Bathe in crystalline water and drink water from your tap, spring water, like
0: wow. and
1: you know, not everywhere. If you're if you're yeah. on a grid, no, but if you're in rural, like I, I'm in a rural, I'm out in the forest. So, you know, there are perks that you get um, being out. And actually I got into real estate because I'm such a, I'm such a fangirl of, of Asheville that I ended up like doing real estate here because I was just like, this is amazing. Come, come be here. And then I just started helping people for free, find their, find their magical spots, find their rentals. And it just naturally ended up developing that way. Wow. Yeah. So sometimes I sing and real estate. (laughs) What are the acoustics like? And All connected. <laughs> yeah, this works. So yeah, can you sing into the hills? And, you know, it's, it's been really cool. Yeah. People like yoga. It's a very strong spiritual scene. A lot of um, ecstatic dance. For being a mountain town, it's a really nice balance of um, bougie. You can have like a nice meal in a beautiful hotel or a beautiful restaurant. And then also just go barefoot and camp or you know hang out with our hippie tribe and you know everybody's kind of mixed together in a really beautiful way um that at least resonates for me so um it fits my spirit yeah i miss miss miami too so it's um it's good that you know you can just take a flight or a drive it's not too far so yeah it's nice to hop around this beautiful country
0: (laughs) So that's that's all your kids know, right? They've they've grown up in in Asheville, or did you move them from Miami? They know. I've gone back and forth a bunch, so they're very
1: familiar with with the Miami and beach beach life too.
0: So I'm hoping for more of that this winter. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, so you've been you've been practicing piano a lot lately see is that new or or is just the sharing of it new
1: yeah slowly um slowly but surely I have been facing my terror (laughs) of expressing things that's not singing oh okay my voice I just feel so comfortable singing I have no problem and I'll, I'll sing anywhere I'll do anything you know but when it comes to sharing my instruments, mm. um, even though I've been playing as long as I have, I I just always got nervous, and I and I really I feel like I've had an opportunity to really dive deep into what was limiting me, and what what was blocking me from sharing, and so I've decided to bite bite into it and just you know if I'm here to help people express themselves, I better express myself, like really and and just. And you know what, maybe something isn't perfect, but it's it's authentic for me. It's something that I'm working with and I and I feel that there's beauty there and I hope that it inspire you, inspired artists, you know, like so that's why I so resonate with this, because it's like I I keep feeling like more of us have art inside. And it doesn't have to look like, unless you play the guitar, unless you play these very specific instruments that are recognized or do this very specific dance, like, no, we, everything is art and everything can be art. Whatever you do with your heart and whatever you do with your intention and really put your heart into it, meaning like it's an offering. If You put your offering into something with love, you can make it art and, you know, I think that art makes life fulfilling, and when you you give give your flavor of something to the world, to make it better, to make it more lively, to make someone feel good, you know, that massage therapist that put their heart into making you your body feel soft and and release tension, that's an art, and everything can be art. So it doesn't have to be perfect; it has to be an expression of you. Hmm. And that's fulfilling. It's like yoga. Like it doesn't have to look a certain way. You don't have to stand on your head 10 minutes or whatever you could, Hmm. but it it doesn't matter what it looks like. It matters what it feels like for you while you're doing it. Right. Focus on that. You're happier. And then you might even find a vocational gift in that creativity space. And the more creative we are, the more fulfilled we are. And so I think as a society, if we encourage each other, and it's not like, oh, well, that's just a crazy artist or this is an eccentric artist. And and it's like, it's so much pressure. I don't know. I think it might've been Elizabeth Gilbert. She talked about how artists just have this like intense pressure on them, the authors or people who make these. It's just like, because then you do a hit and then there's all this pressure to, you know, catch up to it or do better. And it's mm-hmm. because we literally have like life or death. You're either going to make it or you're going to starve to death. And mm. that pressure makes us so imbalanced because it's such an emotional place that we come from when we're creative. So if we just ease off and say, just, just make everything art that, that feels natural to you. And then it doesn't matter. It's not about making it. It's not about how many people hear you or how many people buy your, it made you happy. That has value. Mm. There's value in you finding joy in whatever it is that you're doing. And if we think like that, then there's no pressure because it's about how much you enjoy something. Uh-huh. And then we're happier. And if it happens to do great and people resonate with it and it's lucrative, then that's wonderful. But, you know, it's just finding art where you are. Oh, I, I like that. You I like that. Like- I Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I talk I about- myself- I'm sorry, what? Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say that I myself felt that imbalance at one point. Why do you think I, I struggled so hard with, with, um, I know for sure that when I looked inside, when I was dealing with the hardest time of my life, um, of my before parenthood life, <laughs> <laughs> but studying in college and wanting to be a yoga teacher and wanting to be an artist and feeling the entire establishment family, you can't do that. You'll starve. You'll, you'll die. If you, (laughs) if you become an artist that, you know, you're not good enough, you're this and that. I struggled with that. And it was like, I thought to be an artist that meant to choose a life of poverty and to choose a life of struggle. Mm. That's what I was told. And so I, that's all that I am. I feel like I'm an, an expression of art. at least that's my intention and that and the more i have lived in alignment with my heart's callings the more i feel that that is true for me but at the time i thought that wasn't an option
0: Hmm.
1: so i just felt empty because if if i can't do what i'm here to do or what makes me happy then why am i living right because if we're here to we're here to be happy we're here to find our joys and and to contribute something and um, so I struggled so, so much with my own feelings and then came to the conclusion um, at some point where I had a, I was in the hospital at some point with um the eating disorder. And I had this like inner voice wake up, kind of slap me around. And it was like, what are you doing? And I'm just like laying on the hospital bed, like what? (laughs) You know, you're killing yourself, right? But you're, but you're not killing yourself, you know? And I realized that that's when I realized that I was slowly killing myself without understanding that that's what I was doing. And so I was, it was like, well, what, you know, that you can just kill yourself. I heard this voice just be like, you know, if that, if you don't want to be here and you don't want to live, then you can just do that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So why aren't you doing that? Oh, my family would be so hurt. You know, everybody would be sad. And and, uh, so then my inner voice was like, okay, so you're not killing yourself because your family would be sad. Okay. So then why aren't you living and doing (laughs) what you want to do? Oh, because my family said (laughs) (laughs) of me wanting to be a yoga teacher and be an artist Oh, okay. So you're not dying for the family and you're not living for your family. How smart is that? Mm-hmm. You know? And it was just kind of like, in other words, it was like, you can do whatever you want to do. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? The truth is, I didn't want to die. Mm-hmm. I wanted to live. I love my family. So the truer thing was, I love my family and I'm also unhappy that I can't just do what makes me happy. So, mm-hmm. It was that decision in that moment to live for my heart. And that if I actually lived from my heart and I lived from my joys, that that would also contribute to my family. And it would everybody would be happy. They just, they're the ones with the limitations. I can't live my life based on someone else's limitations. So mm-hmm. it was a hard line that I drew in the sand and was like, from now on, whatever it is that this says, I'm just going to do it. And that's, that's been a long time ago. And, um, I'm, I'm proud and grateful to say that it's a good way to live. My experience is that it
0: it produces good outcomes because it's your intention. When you have an experience like that, that is so painful, I can imagine it must make it a little bit easier to remember that sort of like pivot point like when you're living and you're going oh wait no i decided i was this is why i decided i was doing this (laughs) and i can't turn back now because i remember what rock bottom felt like is that Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah it's just it's a it's
1: habit it's more of like habit forming things like when you when you check in first, because it, it, at first, you, you know, maybe you're even disconnected, you know what you want at a broader scale, but you don't know day to day what it looks like to mm-hmm. live from your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really know what it means. And so when you make the practice of, I okay, I don't know, I, I'm not used to this, I don't know, I'm not gonna make a decision because someone said it was the right thing to do. And you met, learn to meditate with that heart center, and let that heart become the compass of your life so it's almost just like becomes the second nature you don't really it you you do i think sometimes things that you know motherhood or big responsibilities that have their big shoulds (laughs) attached to them and we're doing those things then maybe then that's where it gets a little gray And then you have to, when when that compass starts to go, "Eh, eh," you know, like the alert system, like this is, this is not you, this is not the way you learned to live your life. Then that's when introspection has to come and be like, okay, well, I know that if I keep going that route, it won't lead me anywhere good. And I want to be a whole happy person to show up for my kids too yeah because I'm teaching them I want them to be happy. I don't want them to do what somebody even me says is right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I want us to discover together what the right thing is, and for them in their heart, when they're old enough, have learned the skill of checking in with themselves to do what
0: is their compass is telling them to do was was this time the time when you were at the hospital? Was this before I met you before before. before okay yeah you you always struck me as and I admired you for this like when I was you know wearing a turban doing my whole um you know kundalini thing I mean you really you really did embody that sort of you weren't buying it all I guess is what I'm trying to say like you weren't taking it all you were sort of taking the parts that You know resonated for you and kind of sifting through that and um it was actually more like how i experienced how europeans kind of dealt with the practice where they were like oh well, there's this thing over there but we also like our wine and you know um (laughs) and and it, it just it 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 did feel it felt so much freer and healthier but i don't know that i ever really like would have said that you know at the time um Was that, was that sort of strange for you to be in this world where there was so much like orthodoxy and you were kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, you, exactly.
1: (laughs) Me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was not accepted by a lot of the community, as you know. Um, I won't actually, no, I don't know. that. Well, I wasn't, and that's okay, because as it turns out, a lot of the people who had problems with me have other kinds of problems. Yeah. You know? Cause I wasn't, I wasn't hurting anybody ever, you know, it, I was just being me. And I think that, you know, maybe femininity or flowing or sensuality was very, very triggering for some people, but I'm just in the school of thought where it's all God, you know, and it's your intention. If my intention is to provoke something, which is never is it's my promotion. My intention is to express myself with respect to my body and respect to to the temple that I believe that I'm living in. Um, but that orthodoxy, you know, this the the tight turbans. I was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, turbans are on too tight. That's okay. I love you. I learned to love everybody, even if they didn't like me. You know, because I I feel inside, and I felt then that whatever problem they had with me was really a problem maybe they had with themselves or with an aspect of their own life that maybe they were shutting down or, and that's kind of how I saw it. So I actually, most of the time had compassion.
0: Mm.
1: Just felt like, you know, when, when there were deliberate things that felt hurtful to me, which did happen, um, it challenged me, but for the most part, I just felt like, you know, just love, I'm just going to love everybody. And and accept everyone and and if they accept me good and if they don't
0: it's not my problem. Yeah. I remember Guru Ganesha saying something to the effect please don't get upset with me. Guru Ganesha if I miss if I'm paraphrasing but I think this is about right. Um he was like, you know, that yeah, people seem to you know have issues with, you know, Paloma being a little too sensual or whatever, but you know it's always the people who don't buy tickets. <laughs> 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 That's possible. <awesome.
1: laughs> funny. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. it was something like that, but it was basically like, you know, we sort of let these people come to the concerts and the people who are really paying for our tour are like, you know, not not looking so closely at this, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love everyone. It's
0: okay. <laughs> it's okay. I I yeah. I mean, I think that that's the case with really any, you know, with anybody is bothered by you anyway, right? Like it's, even if it is about you, it's always about them because it's always, you know, and then vice versa, if I'm bothered by something, it's always about me. It's some process in me that I'm, you know, having to confront. So I say that regularly,
1: (laughs) even when someone hurts you or, you know, relationship goes south and. It's just like, it's really about how you interface with what's in front of you, Mm -hmm. you know, forgiveness. Sometimes we think we have to forgive somebody else. We often have to forgive ourselves. Mm -hmm. Our inner knowing, deceiving our inner knowing or going against that heart or putting up with things that weren't right. And, you know, it's really just you. It's it's all relation relation to you to navigate. And so I, I
0: completely hear that. Forgiveness is an interesting concept because it's sort of like love where I think we have like a kind of a froofy, like, um, kind of superficial understanding of what, of what it is. And we talk about forgiveness. It's like, you know, you give someone a hug back, you know, like after they've hurt you or something like that, but it's not always about like welcoming somebody back into your life. Right. (laughs) Yeah, at all. You know,
1: it's, it's about letting go of a charge
0: mm.
1: and, and really, I think, understanding what it was you were upset about. Yeah. You know, because we can't control people's behavior and, you know, sometimes things happen that hurt us and they're, God knows, I know that really well. I know what that feels like really well, where things happen and and it's like, forgiveness can be a one person job. Mm-hmm. That person doesn't even need to ask you for forgiveness because it's not about them anyway. It's about you being having a clear heart and feeling good and finding a way to love even that person without accepting them in, into your heart again or without accepting, but that you can find a way to wish them well and have good feelings within yourself. Not that you want to be friends with them again or you want to, you know, be intimate with them or whatever, but kind of still seeing them as part of the humanity Mm but you are also part of, and you can't extract yourself. They are part of you because there's only one of us out there. Right. Real level. I think that's, that's how I see it. You know, one in the many, but we're one and we're one heart. And I don't have to accept what's unacceptable, but I also don't have to hate anybody for doing something that was unacceptable.
0: Yeah.
1: Just not, cut off, you know, what isn't right and find the part of them that is lovable and wish them well. Mm. And because ultimately what I wish for you, I wish for myself. You can't mm. really wish somebody bad and then not, all,
0: not also feel bad. Mm. My view. That reminds me of this exercise that I had to do, not had to, I was, I was at Agape. It, it was around yeah. the time yeah, it was around the time I I knew you actually, and we were we were doing the of things. But um, uh, the Reverend had us do this exercise where we imagine someone that we were having a lot of difficulty with. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no, no, sorry. The beginning, totally messing this up. The beginning of it was imagine something you truly desire, okay. like just you know feel that truly desire, and then you imagine the person that you're having difficulty with, and you imagine the joy of seeing them receive it. Mm. It was pretty fantastic. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. Because I think, I, I think what you said about not, you know, wishing them well, I think that that's, I think that that's a huge key to forgiveness. It's not letting somebody back in knowing who they are and, you know, maybe they've taken advantage of you several times, or they've done, you know, they've done things that you know that that's a part of their character, but you can still wish them well, as in like, I wish you healing, I wish for you to, you know, figure this out. But for me, I don't want to be part of that process anymore. You no, know? um, as an example. So I, yeah, but it's tricky because it doesn't always look the way that like we were taught in preschool, you know, <laughs> like, Tommy yeah, took the and now you must forgive him, give him a hug, you know, right friends again you know
1: exactly so you know if somebody hurts you like oh you forgave him just like that and it's like mm, <laughs> yes actually yes yeah. does it mean I want them back or does it mean I want to be no it just means that I see that this person is doing somewhat the best they can even though they're making mistakes just like I make plenty of mistakes and I'm not a, a perfect person and I can find a way to wish their soul to evolve
0: mm.
1: you know not because I'm better or not because I'm worse but because we're all on a trajectory of doing better yeah and I hope someone wish me well especially you know and can find forgiveness in me if I've wronged them and find something good about me
0: you know in their heart mm-hmm. somehow At- yeah yeah absolutely yeah because much like you said we would want that <laughs> I would want
1: that. I'm not yeah. perfect. i you know, maybe somebody's gonna hear something I said here and be mad at me, you know. <laughs> One day. I hope not. But you know, you never know. You can control people's perceptions of, you know, how they people sometimes they don't hear what is, they hear what they want to hear and <sighs>
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. I was recognized sometimes when I haven't been ready to hear something the way that it's been presented to me. And then I'll look back a few years later and go, Oh, okay. Yeah. I I can see, I can see what that was. I remember hearing Abraham talk about how it wasn't like spiritually superior to be vegetarian at one point when I was vegetarian. Mm. I was
1: pissed. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to listen to like any of their, anything. And then like a few weeks later, I was like, I can see how that concept would be very freeing. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I had
1: once a conversation with a, the with a permaculturist and I talk about it sometimes with people who have been, are struggling with the veganism or vegetarianism. I'm mostly vegetarian to be honest, um, but that's mostly It means I just mostly like to eat vegetables and fruits Mm -hmm. because I naturally want to do that. That doesn't mean I don't also have other things, you know, at this point, but when I was more strict and very much a fanatic in my own way, in that regard, I did kind of get fanatical about Mm -hmm. food, (laughs) uh, with all that. And I had a conversation with this permaculturist and I was like, you know, compassion for animals and, and, you know, I don't want to eat because of, you know, I just don't, I don't want to hurt hurt any any animals or even any plants or whatever and and, and the permaculture is just like hey, hey hey that plant if it could it would eat you <laughs> so, and there there's some plants out there that grow these big beautiful fruit with the spikes 30 pounds and they kill multiple people a year even when the fruit falls and then that blood goes in the earth and they drink that blood Ooh. That literally happens in, in, in some, you know, in some of these like really like Thailand, for example, the durian fruit, like I don't even know how many people die with like some, like, some of these like big fruits the, and it's like that plant, if it could eat you, it could. And then, you know, some people put blood in the plants and they thrive because mm-hmm. we're it's a cycle of life, you know, and and it's intention, and it's respect if you have respect and intention and kindness it doesn't mean factory farming is okay does it mean torturing an animal of of any kind no you should never torture or you know you know you know control an animal to not live its life the way it's meant to i think we should all be able to live free freely but yeah just think conceptually like that it's a cycle of life when you die you go into the earth and that blood nourishes the plants and it it will thrive with your blood
0: yeah yeah i think i think when i was like i was raw vegan i think maybe even when i met you um was i no maybe because i had started the yoga i i had to transition because i had to eat mung beans and rice in order to be socially accepted But. But I was like, I was pretty, I was pretty strict. And I I remember talking to somebody from, you know, in the agricultural world or who knew more about agriculture than me anyway. And I remember just getting like the point of like, not that it really sunk in at that point, but it's like the idea that you could have an agricultural system that completely bypasses any, any death or any, you know, um, like the cycle, like you're talking about, I mean, even like you're killing worms, there are field mice that are, you know, like how you just can't, I remember seeing like flour that was like, you know, vegan flour because they were taking pain, you know, care to like not kill any field mice when they were, you know, doing that like that. I think, I think we, we also like have a huge discomfort with, with death, you know, too. I think that that's, yeah, kind of, it's kind of a big, you know, a big issue with our culture too, that that we have no, we have no understanding of what, of that as like an integrated part of our, of, of life. You know, it's, it's this mysterious, scary thing and we never see bodies and, you know, it's.
1: Yeah, I agree, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I, I still prefer, you know, I actually like the mung beans and the rice and (laughs) I can go so long without touching any animal products and I don't miss it until, my body asks maybe for something mm. and then and then I just learned to have compassion for this animal too
0: mm.
1: that that needs certain nutrients and you know maybe there's a way I would rather not have to but <sighs> yeah, sometimes it, I'm still so programmed that sometimes if I'll have like a certain food, I'll just think somebody's gonna be really angry at me and like come out of the refrigerator. <laughs> you're a yoga teacher like you're not supposed to and I'm like well, I had the salmon I had it <laughs> didn't mean to hurt the fish but you oh. know <laughs> yeah. yeah so I I still kind of like have moments like that where I'm like it's okay you know I'm taking care of my body I'm asking you know what it what it needed and yeah those, those programs they run deep they're they hard yeah and, uh, I love everybody and I wish them well, like whatever they choose to do with themselves. And if they feel nourished and strong and healthy, I think more power to them.
0: Yeah.
1: It's, I'm not trying to change anybody's anything, not their diets,
0: not their minds, nothing. It, it was interesting for me because I think a tipping point when I started eating other things besides vegetarian food was more psychological. Like there wasn't anything really deficient in me. It was just like this need to be more free in my, in allowing myself to make choices. Yeah. So, but I'm the same as you. I actually prefer, um, eating mostly vegetables and fruits and, you know, grains and stuff. Um, I think oh, my body's just gotten used to that too. I mean, if you do that for long enough, mm. then you just get more used to certain diets, but yeah, I mean, I'm. I, I went, I did go through a period of, being afraid to go grocery shopping and <laughs> you know and like and and really feeling guilty and not talking about it you know um but i yeah i i think coming back to the abraham thing like i don't think that it is spiritually superior to i don't think it's spiritually superior to judge anyone so you know if you want to make choices for yourself it is it is definitely
1: right for your heart and your body uh, and your and
0: your children yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah that's, that's an interesting thing it's, too. it's funny because like i i see it all the time like these you know vegan i have no problem with vegans but i'm just using them as an example because they'll be like completely and then they're giving their dog they themselves their their, their dog's eating fresh chicken yeah interesting interesting right yeah, yeah. why Why is that? I don't know. Because about that, that animal needs something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the
0: point is that my my kids are funny too. Like my eldest has never wanted meat. Like not interested in it. Just even now that he has the option, like no, thank you. Doesn't look good to me. Total, and I totally support that. He's totally fine. And then my youngest has always wanted me anytime, you know, even when I was vegetarian, he would see other people eat it. He was like, Oh my God, can I have some of that? Um, so I, I find that really interesting because they definitely haven't, you know, like it wasn't even an option for him and he wanted it. And then I didn't like ever persuade him or even have it that much available, but it was just something that he wanted. So I, that's
1: interesting. That's, but that's And that's the beauty of life is that maybe he doesn't need it maybe he doesn't need it. And that's yeah. why we just can't inflict our views on, on anybody because do what you need to do. Yeah. I I would love to not have to have any animal, but if my body's asking for them, please don't judge me right. Doing what I feel is right for me. And I'm not trying to, I'm not going to slap the, the vegan sausage out of your hand and tell you, <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you. Please don't tell me anything. I won't, I'll leave you alone. And you leave me alone. And that's actually one of the things I really like about um, rural Appalachia. (laughs) It's a, it's a whole, you do you, I'll do me. And you need me neighbor. You just holler, you know, like, and that for me, like just in general, like, I think we're too much involved in each other's business. And I think that social media maybe um, has kind of exacerbated this, you know, cause we just know so much about other people that maybe we don't need to know every single detail about every single person and what they think about every single thing. And yeah. so we, we inject our thoughts, um, and opinions on other people's lives regularly. And then maybe, maybe we shouldn't.
0: Because You've been of- super private. I mean, like I'm pretty impressed you've been like you've kept your personal life very close to you and i i know that was deliberate right very (laughs) very deliberate painfully
1: deliberate because i struggle because i want to share more but it's like i also just feel like you got to keep some things inside for you and and i like i know that the moment you share Mm -hmm you're inviting other people's opinions and you're inviting other people's input. I'm not so much about that, you know, in most cases. And that's why with art, with my art, it's, it's vulnerable. When I say that all the time, I'm like, okay, I know that I, when I share this, someone's going to piano players and look at that. Other people, you know, going to think of it's okay. Because I, it's, I'm, I am open to being judged and to being seen and to being appreciated. Cause those all kind of go together too. Like, huh. It's not about any of those things. It's about me sharing and expressing something in, in the hopes that it inspires someone else. And also to let somebody know that this is, this is something I'm doing. And I I really feel that there's value in developing things that make you happy.
0: Hmm. That's a nice note to conclude on I think do you want to let everyone know how they can get in touch with you maybe um, take one of your classes do you offer them online
1: I do I do actually a lot of the the newest student I have just enrolled from Europe so I can do zoom um, more than more than not that's how I work Um, so on palomadevi.com they can book directly and actually they can book a free call. So if there's like a question um specifically about technique or about how it works or you know, all the things that I offered, there you can book a, a 15 minute call or just book directly and we we do our class.
0: Cool. Cool. And then your stuff with Soul Temple, is that up there too?
1: It's not. It's not. I have, We haven't recorded. We we did make an album, but um, I I don't think that they put it out in the the streams. They it was just an album that, that remained in physical form. Um, but I I'm sure
0: that if that becomes available, I'll also put it on my website. Right, but you are doing live shows with them. You said I will be. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so if they follow you, maybe they follow me
1: on social media. My my handle is Paloma Devi um my facebook is also paloma devi i try to keep everything pretty the same so i'm on facebook instagram and my website okay
0: cool and those will be hyperlinked in the podcast notes so you guys can click on that thank you so much paloma devi for joining me today and i will see y'all in the next episode bye Thanks for tuning into the podcast y'all. Please like, subscribe, rate, comment whatever the platform you listen to podcasts on offers you as a way to let its algorithm know that you're enjoying these episodes. That really helps. Also, there's some links in the podcast description notes that allow you to support the podcast in a way that benefits you and us so please check those out and if you'd like to stay in touch with me you can sign up for my mailing list at portersinger.com we'll see you in the next episode bye